say I had to make peace with it. I had to make peace with it. I had to make peace with option B. You didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know whether you were going to live or die. You didn't know what your children were going to do. You didn't know whether or not you were going to be sick. Oh, but thanks be to God that God kept you. And today we can say it's not a cliche that whether you got cancer or whether you just been through hell and high water, can you shake somebody's hand and tell them I don't look like what I've been through? Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Come and join us in the sanctuary as we listen in on a dynamic word from our senior pastor, Dr. Gina M. Stewart. Deuteronomy chapter 30, beginning with verse 19. If you're there, say amen. If you don't have your Bibles, it's on the screen. Let's get our good Bible reading voice and let's read together. This day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you. And I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. And that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your, and to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. I want to put a tag. I believe this on verse uh, 19. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. That I have set before you life and death. Somebody shout life and death. Blessings and cursings. Now choose life. Somebody shout choose life. So that you and your children may live. As you take your seat, shout my title to your neighbor. Tell them making peace with option B. I want to preach about making peace with option B. How many of you heard of Sheryl Sandberg? Sheryl Sandberg is the... COO of Facebook, and some of you that may be familiar with her story know that about two or three years ago, her husband died suddenly while exercising at a resort in Mexico. And on the second year of her husband's death, she interviewed with Nora O'Dell, the chief, uh, she interviewed with Nora O'Dell on C CBS News, on the second anniversary of her husband, Dave Goldberg's death. He was 47 years old when they found him lying beside that treadmill, a tech entrepreneur who died while exercising at that resort. They had gone to dinner, and they had noticed that for some reason Dave had not shown up. And after a while, Cheryl says that she began to panic and they began to question where Dave's whereabouts. And finally, I believe one of the friends, his brother, if I'm not mistaken, went to the exercise room where they remembered that that was one of the last places that he said he would be. And it was there that they found him lying beside the treadmill. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, an early victim of heart disease. Sandberg suddenly found herself at the age of 47, a widow and the mother of two young children. And the interview with O'Donnell was held two years to the date of her husband's death. And in reflecting on that day, Sandberg stated 
And I quote, I flew home that day and told my children, ages 7 and 10, that they were never going to see their father again. And she said, and as anyone who's ever been through something like this will tell you, it feels like you're not going to get through a minute, let alone an hour, let alone another day. She said that friends and family rallied around her for support, and her rabbi initially gave her advice that she didn't initially appreciate. She said that her rabbi told her, lean into the suck. And initially, Sandberg thought that his recommendation, his advice, was in poor taste, but what she later found out was that what her rabbi was attempting to communicate was that grief can be a painful journey. Somebody that has ever lost a loved one knows that grief can be a painful journey. What her rabbi was attempting to tell her was that the grief and the sadness and the anger and the countless negative feelings that she would feel were normal. Can somebody say normal? And I think it's important to pause here and say that because so often when people are going through grief, we try to rush them to celebration. We try to rush them past the tears and the sadness. We, we want them to get all right real quick. In fact, the culture in which we live gives us an idea about the way we're expected to handle grief because they only give us three days bereavement leave. And somebody knows that when you lose a mama, you lose a husband, you lose a spouse, you lose a child. Come on, nudge somebody. said three days ain't nowhere close to long enough. Three days, you just getting started. Three days, you, you just getting past making the arrangements. It is normal, it is natural, and it is necessary to grieve. Somebody say that with me. Normal, natural, and necessary. And what Cheryl Sandberg's rabbi was trying to tell her is that you don't have to apologize. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. You don't have to apologize for grief. You can have faith and still grieve. Your faith, my parish practicum supervisor, Bishop William Young, told us in a, uh, 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 in a clinical practicum, your faith does not tell you not to grieve. It tells you how to grieve. It tells you that you don't have, it doesn't say don't sorrow. Come on here. So stop telling folk to stop crying when they're burying their mama. Stop telling folks she'd want you to be strong. He wouldn't want you to cry. No, the devil is a lie. You don't cry over your mama like you cry over a set of lost keys. Grief is natural, it's necessary, and it's normal. And there's nothing wrong with your faith. There's nothing wrong with you because you shed tears when somebody dies. As a matter of fact, you better cry. You better shed some tears. You better get in a room somewhere and holler. You better go somewhere all by yourself and get it out because there's something about losing somebody that's close to you that is unlike anything you've ever experienced. Sheriff Sandberg said, I figured out what he was talking about when he said lean into the suck because what he was trying to prepare her for were the waves of grief that she would experience. The negative feelings that were normal, the anger, uh, the sadness, the grief, and the countless other feelings that she would experience from time to time because that's how grief works and that's how grief looks. 30 days after her husband's death, she went public with her grief. She went public on Facebook. She wrote, when tragedy occurs, you can give in to the void or you could try to find some meaning. 
She said, you can kick the, she didn't say stew. I'm just saying stew because it's not appropriate for this pulpit moment. You can kick the stew out of option B. Somebody shout option B. Some might call it plan B. Others may call it a, a, a contingency plan. It is an option devised for an outcome other than the expected plan. It is not the life or the plan or the dream that we would have had for ourselves, but it's the reality check. Somebody said the reality check that most of us have when we find ourselves like Sheryl Sandberg facing a future that we didn't anticipate. Somebody shout a new normal. Option B refers to the process of figuring out what life could look like when it wasn't at all the life that we planned. I know that she's not the only one that's been in a situation where the life that you're looking at ain't the life you plan. Come on, you can tell the truth in church. We all here. Come, can we be real this morning? Somebody knows that the life that you're looking at right now is not the life you plan. The life you plan was a life where you wouldn't get sick and you sick. The life you plan was a life that you wouldn't have a divorce and some of you are divorced. The life that you may have planned was the life that you would graduate from college and get the job you wanted. Well, you graduated from college, but you still ain't got the job you wanted. Somebody shout, life doesn't always turn out the way you planned. Sandberg says that she came to this realization while she was sitting with a friend trying to figure out who could go to a father-son activity with her son. And as they were exploring options, Minister Alexander Mitchell, Sandberg said to her friend, I want Dave to do this. She said, I want Dave to do this with our son. And her friend said, well, option A is not available. So let's just kick the stew, that ain't what he said either, out of option B. Her life had been radically interrupted in a way that she did not anticipate. And Sandberg had to make a decision to whether or not to allow the grief and pain and loss to have the last word for her life or she had to choose to move forward. And may I suggest on this Pink Ribbon Sunday Awareness Day that the truth is all of us have had moments of reckoning when we've had to decide whether we're going to live or die. No, somebody said, I've been in those shoes. And we're not talking about lie, die physically. We're talking about die spiritually. Because it's one thing to die physically. It's another thing to have to live and feel like you want to be dead. Many of us have had to make some decisions about whether we wanted to live or die. Not physically, but we had to decide that we would interpret how we were going to interpret certain events in our lives. We had to decide if we would see that event as the end of the road or the beginning of a road we had not yet traveled. And can I tell you sometimes when you face those moments where you have to face a road that you have never traveled, it can be very disconcerting. It can be very disconcerting when everything that you plan goes up in smoke. When the life that you had planned for yourself, the things that you had plotted out on your timeline, you discover that they're not going to turn out the way you planned. May I suggest to you that all of us at some point in our, in our lives have had to exercise option B. As a matter of fact, some of us have had to make peace, come on here, with option B because sometimes we don't get what we want in life. Nobody gets everything that they want in life. There are times that our prayers don't always get answered. 
And it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with God. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with us. It simply reminds us that life doesn't always turn out the way we plan. At some point, we have to make a decision when we have to exercise option B of how we're going to spend the rest of our lives. A life that we would have never chosen for ourselves. A life that we would have were completely unprepared for. But on multiple occasions, we are faced with the option of living or dying. And I'm not talking about dying physically. I'm talking about deciding that I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Some of us have been in some places where the news has been so devastating that we felt like we couldn't take another step. I was talking to somebody just this morning and they were telling me that they were in a conversation with somebody else and they were going through various challenges and they said to them, if one more thing happens, have you ever been in a situation where it seems like everything is caving in on you and nothing is happening the way you anticipated and you say to yourself, if anything else happens, if I get another phone call about a death, if I get another phone call about a bill that I thought I had paid, y'all ain't saying that. If I get another phone call about a child that has gotten in trouble and I've gotten them out of trouble three or four times, if I get another phone call, all of us have had to make decisions, God help me preach, about how we're going to live the rest of our life, a life that we wouldn't have paid for, a life that we didn't bargain for. On multiple occasions, we have had to exercise option B. I had to exercise the option B as a woman who thought she'd be married by 25. Y'all ain't saying nothing. 58 still single. I ain't mad though. I'm living my life like it's golden. Y'all ain't saying nothing. And I think I do pretty good at it. What you think? Y'all ain't talking to me. But I still had to exercise the option, Minister Wonder, because I had a different set of plans. I thought I would be married. I thought I would have children. I thought by now I'd have grandchildren, but I had to exercise option B. Some of you have had to exercise option B. I had to exercise it when I came to the realization that my mama's memory wasn't coming back. In spite of my prayers, in spite of us anointing her with oil, in spite of the fact that I was standing up here preaching that God is a healer. Y'all won't talk to me. And that God can make a way out of nowhere. I had to make peace with option B. Some of you have had to make peace with option B. There are some things in your life that you would not have signed up for. I need some witnesses. There are some things that have happened in your life that if you could have controlled it, it would have come out another way. Uh, but you learn how to make peace with option B. When the marriage you thought would, end, would last forever ended in divorce and in spite of you going through counseling and going through classes and making adjustments and trying to change yourself so that somebody would stay with you, there was still no hope for reconciliation. When the spouse died and you were left with small children to raise and you didn't know how you were going to make it, when you had to stand by the graveside of a child that you thought would bury you or a spouse that you thought would bury you, when your dreams went up in smoke and you had to come to grips with a different version of that dream somebody in here knows what it's like to have to learn how to make peace with option b but most importantly there are cancer survivors in this worship experience today who've had to make peace with option b they had to make peace with option b because option a although it was the preferred option just wasn't available and my suspicion is that the reason why many of them are still here and alive 
Many of them are still functioning. Many of them are pictures and portraits of resilience is because they made a decision after they got through grieving. After they got through grieving the loss of the life that they thought they would have, after they finished grieving the fact that this is not the life I would have preferred, they decided to exercise option B. Wasn't the life they would have preferred. Perhaps they weren't prepared for it. Perhaps they initially resisted it. But they are here, some of them, one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. And I don't know how long Mama Rose had been living, probably 60 years. But they are still here on the other side of a life-altering event, and they've lived to tell about it. And some of us that get a chance to see them walk around get to see what a miracle looks like when people decide to exercise Option B. They had to learn to live with adversity, with resilience and victory. Chemotherapy was not in your plans. Radiation was not in your plans. Nausea was not in your plans. Hair loss was not in your plans. Lost wages were not in your plans. Surviving the effects of medication was not in your plan. Having to work and live with less income because you didn't, weren't able to work like you used to work was not in your plan. Oh, but you survived. And I think we ought to take about 30 seconds and give God praise for every cancer survivor in the room. We ought to tell God thank you for every person that got the diagnosis, but they decided to keep on living. We ought to tell God thank you for every person that went through radiation, chemotherapy, but decided that they would hold on and run on and see what the end is going to be. Somebody ought to tell God thank you for the cancer survivors that decided to exercise option B. You probably remember the day like it was yesterday. Phone call came from the physician's office. And you know, normally when it's all right, when a test is okay, the physician doesn't call you. They send you the test results. Or if you got my charter, you interface with one of those uh, systems, you can go online, come on here, and check your test results. But when they call you, when they call you and say that they need to come in for a consultation, it rocked your world. And then when you arrived to the doctor's office, you heard the word cancer. An unsettling word, a disturbing word, a disconcerting word. Nobody wants to hear the word cancer. Cancer is not easy to talk about. As a matter of fact, when I was little, I can remember growing up, they wouldn't even say the word. They would say, you know, she had to make big C. They talk about it in retrospect after the person had died because there was something about saying it out loud that people just couldn't bring themselves to articulate or say because there was something about cancer that was so disturbing and so disconcerting. And the word still scares us. The word still causes us to be unnerved. The word still causes great uh, 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 frustration and fear in many of us and with good reason because we've seen what cancer does. We've seen the various effects of cancer in its various forms. I watched what multiple myeloma did to my daddy. I've watched what cancer has done to members of our church who fought the good fight of faith. I saw what cancer did to Paula Hill. I've seen what cancer has done to other members of our church. I remember when Cheryl Buckner in 1997, which is one of the reasons why today we have the Soul Survivors Ministry, when her cancer came back in 1997 and she died leaving five small children without a mother. I've seen what cancer does. I've seen how it takes and zaps the wheel and how it strips people of their resolve. I've seen what it does to family members who have to stand at a grave and say goodbye. All of us have seen what cancer does to folk. Yeah. 
Even if it doesn't do it to us, we've seen the collateral damage. We've seen what it does to the people who are close to us and the people that we love and the people that are near and dear to our hearts. So nobody wants to hear the word cancer. But when you received the call from the doctor and heard the radical destabilizing news telling you that the test don't look good. How unsettling to hear that without you knowing it, deep down inside your body, cells have been growing and amassing themselves against your body that if not checked, life as you know it may be a thing of the past. Or even worse yet, that the cancer has accelerated and immediate steps must be taken to try to save your life. I'm sure that if you were in that number, it's quite something that you, it's quite possible that you said something similar to what Sheryl Sandberg said. Not that you want Dave back, because Dave was Cheryl's husband. But perhaps you've said, I want my life back. I remember Phyllis Tuggle saying that to me some 15, maybe 20, some years ago when she was going through the loss of hair. I can say this because we, we, we went through it with her so she know I tell her business. Uh, but I remember when she was going, this is my friend, she let me talk, she let me tell me. I remember when her hair was falling out and, and she was going through the struggle of, of, of adjusting to the loss of hair and adapting to chemotherapy and, and, and going through the times of going back and forth to get medicine. And I can remember her saying, I just want my life back. I just want my life to be normal. And I can imagine that many of you who are in this audience, like Phyllis and others who have gone through chemo and others who have gone through radiation or gone through what it takes to go through uh, a, a, a cancer and all of the things that accompany cancer, you probably made movies as soon as you heard it. As a matter of fact, I remember when the doctor came in the room and flippantly said to Phyllis what her diagnosis was. Didn't try to brace her, didn't try to, you know, prepare, just burn, blur it out. You got cancer. I said, she needs some bedside manners. I was ready to whoop her right there in the hospital. Uh, uh, I didn't do it, though, because she needed to still get the doctor to treat her. But when she went, she left out. The, when the doctor left out of the room, I put everybody out of the room. And I don't know if she remembers it. I said, look, this is not a death sentence. And she here today looking like Beyonce. Stand up and let them see what Beyonce looked like at 62. Or is it 61? Um, Go on, take a stroll so they can see what Beyonce look like. Come on, let them see how God will keep you. Let them see what happened when you serve God. Look at them pumped up. Come on, I don't hear nobody saying nothing. I told her this is not a death sentence. And she's not the only one I said that to. I got some other cancer survivors. I want you to take a stroll right about now. Because I feel a praise coming in here. I got some people that survived breast cancer and colon cancer. I need you to just step out and let the saints see how God will keep you. Come on and walk for Jesus. Come on, let them see how God will keep you. Come on, let them see that he'll be the lifter up of your head. Come on, come on, come on. And I need the saints to give God some praise that God will keep you, that God will preserve your life, that he'll preserve your going out. I remember when I laid hands on you. I remember when you came to me. I wasn't even the pastor of the church yet. You said, Pastor, I got cancer. They say it's in my breast. But I believe if you lay my hand, your hands on me, I believe I'll be healed. And some 25 years later, she's still here. Can I get somebody to clap your hands and give God some praise that you can make peace? Woo, I feel a praise here. I ain't through shouting, but I just feel like praising him. Because somebody needs to know. 
making peace with option B. And my suspicion is that some of these people that have walked out of this aisle this morning, we don't have to ask what they did. We already know. They made a decision. Somebody said, you got to make a decision. Some piece, at some point, you got to make a decision. Whether it's cancer or whether it's some other life-altering event, at some point, you have to decide. You're going to make a decision to exercise option B. The good news today is that we're looking at portraits of resilience. The good news is that we're looking at portraits of strength. We're looking at women and men who are armed with strength because they are people who were in the same situation and didn't make the decision that they made. I'm not talking about the people that went on home to be with the Lord. We celebrate their families. 
We celebrate the families that are left. We celebrate the families that whose faith did not fail in spite of the fact that your family member went on to be with the Lord. The truth of the matter is when you die in the Lord, it's still a win-win situation. Yeah, the cancer may have won on this side, but baby, they got the victory on the other side. And so we celebrate with you today because to be absent from the body. I don't hear nobody saying that. It's to be present with the Lord. And so today we rejoice. We rejoice not just with the survivors of cancer, but we rejoice with every person who found themselves facing a life-altering event that decided not to resign from life. Cheryl Sandberg says her friend told her option A is not available. And when option A is not available, we can kick the stew out of option B. Somebody ought to give him praise. Can I tell you, that's the reason why you need a relationship with God. Can I tell you, that's the reason why even though the pain was more than you can bear, that's the reason why even though you went through chemo and radiation and your nails turned black and your hair fell out and you, 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 you stopped wearing wigs as a badge of shame, they became a fashion statement. That's what happened to Phyllis. She got so caught up with the wigs, every day she had on a different color. I said, girl, you got to warn me when you come in here because one day your hair green, one day it's purple, one day it's green. I said, you got to warn But she began to adjust to a new normal. Wigs were no longer a badge of shame, but a fashion statement. The tears you shed, the fights of depression, the bouts with despair, the hopelessness, the financial hardship, the fight for disability. Life has not been a crystal staff. Oh, but thank God, through it all. I wish somebody could say through it all. They learn, Lord have mercy, how to trust in Jesus. They learn how to trust in God. When option A was no longer available, they chose option B. Here, here it is. They took lemons and they made lemonade. Here it is. They took a bad hand and they played the hand they had. Here it is. They took a hand of words with friends with no vowels but just consonants, and they learned how to build words off other words. I can't get no help in here. They made a choice to get through the shock, the grief, the sadness, the anger, the depression, the uncertainty, they made the choice to keep moving forward and to choose and live a life that they would not have chosen for themselves. At the end of the day, we rejoice because they survived. I need every survivor to just give God some praise. Even if you don't have cancer, you ought to thank him that you survived. Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray that you were tremendously blessed by the word. 